Hello everyone, and welcome back to Spoken Violet, Sinister Rosen's podcast. Today's episode will be a feature interview with Vicky Now. Fee is an author and poet whose work includes poetry, fiction, film, and cross-genre collaboration. In today's episode, she'll be going over the process and creating her two poems featured in Radical Muses and talking about the experience of organizing and editing an upcoming Sinister Wisdom issue and more. Due to some signal problems, parts of the audio may sound slightly muffled, but still totally understandable. Without further ado, here is Sinister Wisdom's interview with V. Key Now. Okay, so it's just a few questions I, I would like for you to answer. They're mostly okay. over your pieces in Radical Muses, and then it's about sinisterism itself. Okay. So if you want, we can start off with what you submitted. So what inspired your pieces, This Open More and Sapphic Desire Through Cubism for Radical Muses? Um, I don't remember writing This Open More very much. I just remember writing it very fast. Okay. Um, it may have been, it may have been in the desert, but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how this open more was born. I do remember um, the other poem though, mm-hmm. um, and um, it was uh, written. I was um, doing a. Um, collaboration with Sophia Dolan. She, I, I asked her if she's interested in writing a poem every other day with me, I think in the month of January or February. Okay. So every other day, uh, she'll submit a poem and then I submit mine. I wanted to write a poem every other day so and so I told her that I want us to have 60 sapphic poems by the end of our collaboration in two months basically we uh, together we would have 60 poems and we would it would be um called like 60 sapphic movements um and so we did give birth to that book every other day uh, we wrote. And uh, I was teaching a fiction course in which I was making my students see, uh, describe the sun through the lens of cubism or through different types of artistic expression. And um, when I give my students student assignments, I tend to give myself that assignment as well just to see what it's like to be in their shoes. They were writing fiction, and I happened to be writing poetry. And so um, I wrote that poem through the lens of cubism, uh, sapphic um, love between two women. And so that's what, uh, that's how that poem is born. Um, it was written pilot, probably very early in the morning. Um, Usually that's how I wrote a lot of the poems uh, for the 60 sapphic movements. I would have some idea percolating behind my consciousness or beneath my consciousness. And then on the day of my submission, I usually pour that poem out pretty fast. 
um, then I sent it to Sophie, who lived in the West Coast. I was at I was teaching at Columbia, and so I was in the West Coast, and I want it to arrive before she wakes up. So if I wrote mine at seven o'clock, um, my time of high arrive her in, in her inbox at four in the morning or something like that. Okay, yeah, because of the time zones and all that. Yeah, so she she usually arrive ha, have them before she wakes up. Usually that was the timing. Yes, and so most of my poems, especially that one sapphic desire through cubism, is also born from from very early in the morning. So I, I, sorry, when I was around about. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Don't worry. So. What made you feel that these poems were fit for radical muses? Well, um, it um, it was under I think because they were written with parameters, time parameters, and under a very tight window of time. I think um, in order to create those poems, I just had to dig deep into my sapphic desire mm-hmm. and. So I think you have to have great belief in your muses in order to make those pieces. And I think when you have such deep belief, I think that gesture in itself is very radical. If I can define it purely from a a literal standpoint, radical muses. Okay. Um, And so I... You know, I mean, I had, I usually poems arrive when I had a particular kernel of desire um, and then it's born. But those things are nature and circumstance defined or even atmospherically defined. And I had to give birth to these poems at a precise 24. 48-hour window or 24-hour window. And so I'm so glad I had that project with Sophia mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have written so many poems about, I guess, lesbian relationships, graphic relationships. I think she struggled it more because she's bisexual. Okay. Um, um, I think, like, at times she said, I'd be, I'm worried that some of my poems might be too heterosexual so but I didn't struggle with so much with that because I predominantly uh, well I sexually and emotionally love women so um I didn't have a hard time as much okay but still it's uh I think it's it's a very it was it wasn't it was challenging but not too challenging for me okay okay so Julie was telling me that you're going to be the editor for Asian Lesbians? Yes, that's correct. Okay. What moved you to be that? And, like, what has it been so far handling the editing for the issue? I don't – I think I know, like, 1.2 Asian Lesbians um, (laughs) before I started. Um, Yeah, literally, I was trying to count off my fingers, and I say 0.2 because those – that lesbian is 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 bi or you know um, pansexual. 
so it um it was very hard i i took it because it was challenging um and i i lived in iowa for 20 plus years dominant most of my life are surrounded by white people yeah and heterosexual culture so i didn't i have not ever dated any asian woman asian asian i've dated um like um uh I, i've been i guess once with like a half russian half korean woman but it's um it's incredibly challenging for me to uh seek and see asian lesbian asian lesbian exposure i just don't know i just thought for a while they didn't exist or if they did uh it's high very closeted and limited and and so i thought um this would really open that door and i also uh, wanted to know what sexual desires between two i guess i guess sexy desire from um asian perspective um may look like or have looked like or how do like Asian women love themselves and love um, other races. Wow. Um, so I want to understand the culture tension and from a graphic dimension. I also um, want to be in conversation and be connected to my community, a community which I think doesn't exist um, on the page or in much of I had a hard time finding like Asian lesbian static uh, cinema or films or so I wanted to acquire knowledge from my contemporaries, their experiences, social media structure exposures and where they get their sources of where I guess where they get their static food, the Asian static food that they consume secretly or publicly that I'm not aware because I've not been exposed to agents. And so um, when a call came out, I think, uh, and we continue to struggle to get um, submissions. And because the submissions were so thin and small window, I started interviewing, um, I started interviewing some of these women who wrote poems or short stories or drawings just to batten up the, I guess, the URLs that would be only like 30 pages. Um, oh, wow. Uh, at the beginning. Now yeah. um, ever now it's better. Now I have, with the interviews now, because I've done so many of the interviews, um, it's right now at 150 pages or something. Okay, um, that's good. Um, and so I'm hoping like more submissions would come in just so that um, there are more variety of voices and and their experiences. Um, one of the one of the greatest things about um, interviewing these women in other work is that it is actually getting depth to um, because they're so smart. Some of these women that I've interviewed they are so um, eloquent on the page and they 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 communicate with so much vulnerability and depth and they're just open about their sexuality and I think 
with their voices or through their voices, um, other Asian lesbian readers can uh, realize that they are not alone or isolated or that, that there is a community that does exist for them and um, that they can reach out to these women for either mentorship or for friendship or for connection. Um, so I'm hoping more people submit so that it, you know, it strengthens the community, it uh, gives diversity to the community. And so um, I, I'm glad that the interview happened because I get to understand um, why it is so hard for Asian lesbians to exist in the community yeah. that we do. Like, it's already hard being a lesbian. I think it's even harder when you're Asian because our culture particularly condemns it, especially in the the, the Muslim community, the Asian Muslim community, they particularly struggle with it, with hiding there, and so no one, no one submits, you know, because they don't want to, they don't want to, and they don't want to be flogged like a thousand times, or yeah, it's a question uh, of safety. Yeah, for safety. Yeah, so I think some of the women are uh, not even under a pen name. They, they, they don't submit out of fear for their life. So. I know um, as a fact that they don't um, they don't submit, so I I don't get to see hear voices from those communities um, that are linked to you know like in Philippines you know um, though I have a few submissions from Filipino I think I have one or one or something like that um, but basically um, I, I, did that answer your question I'm not sure yeah yeah okay. How has it like felt reading work or interviewing like other Asian lesbians? Like how has it felt being part of their story in a way or being able to see a glimpse of it? Uh, it's empowering. Like I see their work and see how incredibly talented and polychromatic their, their expression in the world. Um, I'm just really... Uh, really impressed with their um, professionalism and artistic depth and the, the amount of passion they they put into it. Um, there's a there's a rawness to it. It's very inspiring as well. And I meant rawness is in vulnerability. There are ranges of voices, and it also like has altered my taste on. What I would consider like sapphic, um, really sexy sapphic material, and so I I think a lot has changed from editing it. Um, the interviewing is the most exciting part of mm -hmm. the process for me because I get to like if they submit like a poem, I or three. I would be able to break it down with them and see their source of inspiration to ask them deep questions about their work. So I really love getting to know these these women and how they uh, give birth to their creative process and give birth to their work um, to see where they've been. Um, I really loved interviewing them. Um, I just didn't want to the whole issue to be dominated with interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully there would be more submission, and I guess if not many are coming in, 
anymore. I might I might interview a couple more and then call it call it that. I hope the woman that I don't interview doesn't feel that it's not a result of not wanting to, but because of the circumstance. Some of these women might wonder why one person was chosen <laughs> to be interviewed. I, I just I started out when I saw thirty I saw these thirty pages. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna everyone that submit, I'll just ask them to be interviewed. And then when there was a flood of interviews come in from um, from the advertisement, the recent advertisement that was that exploded a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got a lot of submission and I stopped interviewing. But um, it's not because the work isn't great. It just and I yeah, it's I more like to timing. A, yeah, the timing. So I might in my introduction talk about that so these women don't feel like ideally like interviewing all of them uh, would be. But if I do interview them, it will be like a 300 page, uh, and it's just in Word doc. So once it gets um, into the the print format, it will be like 600. Yeah, it'll be so, longer. Yeah, like, I always measure like doubling. So right now I'm currently having 150, um, and I think it's around. It will be around like 250 pages. Um, if once it gets the formatting yeah. correct and the photographs being embedded, I I, um, I don't know if you're going to be part of the putting it together part of the team, but uh, so I'm hoping to. I have to sit down and organize it so all the interviews are on the top, so uh, so that they equally divided throughout yeah. the issue. Yeah, the book flow is kind of nice. Yeah, so it's not like lots of poems and then interview, 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> um, interview. But um, I'm sure uh, with time that can be quickly adjusted. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great once it's all put together. Yeah. This- Besides sinister wisdom, what lesbian literature or creative work has like impacted you recently, or has been like memorable to you recently? Like Asian uh, lesbian material, or just lesbian material in general? Whichever you want, whichever you want. Um, um, in terms of like, um, I don't know how to answer the Asian lesbian one. And it doesn't have to be I, just literature. Like, if you've seen, like, visual art or, like, an interview or something, that you can also talk about that. I really love um, um, The Handmaiden Tale. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think when I saw that, I'm like, finally, so <laughs> even if the director is a man, uh, I think he captured the tenderness, you know, like, the, it just it's incredibly sensual. I really love like the clothing in that film uh, from the woman. But, I mean, the leading protagonist is where really these really awesome like I I love when women dress um, where they um, you know like where they hide all the cleavage. It just um, I like clothing that are and one one of the thing I love about. Um, Asian um, dresses and traditional dresses that they don't expose the cleavage. They they hide it more, so there's a lot more to consider. Um, and so, and when these protagonists aren't westernizing their outfit and they're just wearing these really um, exotic articles of clothing, I thought it gives kind of depth 
to the courtship between a woman. I, I don't know. I think clothing sort of um, clothing sort of deeply define the aesthetics, the ethos, the yeah. um, momentum of how a woman, I guess, undresses another woman emotionally and psychically, and is expressed through these garments of sensuality and garments of, of discreet. And so, uh, and because one has to hide oneself as well as expose oneself, I think clothing in that film really, really, really deepen. I think the pers- the sapphic perspective. Um, other time, like I think a lot of lesbian films have been um, ran over or ran through the heterosexual gates before, or had to pass through the heterosexual gate. Yeah. Um, um, unlock that before any sapphic um, um, tenderness or sensuality can be open. And and I think this is one of the first feel films where I feel like it, you can feel the pulsation, the tenderness, the passion that the woman exudes for themselves. There are obviously still masculine gays. There's a lot of, and it's shown through um, the men who are in the film acting as voyagers, um, voyeurs. And so, so it's still through a heterosexual gaze, but this film, I think, um, and also, you know, I always been curious to see how Asian women court each other. And I think that courtship, I, I'm, I want more cinema of it. Um, I think it's still very limited. And um, some of the ones I've seen in the past, um, the women are too girly or giggly. They're too girlish, and their love is not very mature. And I would have loved to see more mature, I think, mm-hmm. like just achingly deep uh, depth to like they've been through a lot and the more reserved and not as embarrassed or express the embarrassment through giggling and um, and their sapphic desires more defined, but they're not like woman in the 80s um, kind of film, more like um, at least like woman in the 30s, just deep, mature love. And I think um, The Handmaid Tale is the beginning of that, okay. saying that, okay, um, that love can mature deeply and there's great responsibility that arise from loving loving that deeply and and so um i just when i see that film i see all the potential like the seed of um sapphic material in cinema uh has just begun germinating it's been planted on the seed on the ground um on the heterosexual ground and it has a lot of movement and i'm hoping more female directors would just take that seed and just die. Go with it, yeah. Yeah, go with it. Uh, really, like, um, and take no inhibition in expressing it to, because um, I'm tired watching um, desire between women through the lens of men. And yeah, they're almost like fetishized. Yeah, and so um, I think there's an audience. Um, I think... Um, um, the director or who a producer or uh, creators of cinema uh, have a very uncreative, limited view of their viewership. I think 
um, viewers are much more intelligent and they're, um, that they're, I, if they do create films of that nature, that there is an audience for, even if that audience is partly or completely closeted. And so I hope, I hope more directors take those kind of risks and not worry so much about if it made a particular budget. I do understand the practicality of it. You can't, a film that doesn't make it and they spent all this money on it and it doesn't, it doesn't return the same. Um, they can go bankrupt um, and have gone bankrupt. Uh, but there's also film that been like a lot of, have been highly budgeted film that fail miserably. So um, I think there are risks regardless, even if you have something that you feel that it's very secured. Um, um, kind of went off a tangent there. No, 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 but you said some important things. Don't worry about it. Um, so kind of to like wrap up the interview a little bit, we're going to go back to like Sinister Wisdom. Okay. So Sinister Wisdom has tackled on a lot of different themed issues, a lot of different calls for submission. But what does Sinister Wisdom mean to you? Well, <laughs> I, um, the word, the word, I have a hard time with that word sinister, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because I think it's, um, uh, it's such a, um, dark word. Um, it's, um, it's, it's a a dark and charged word. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't give you enough. It doesn't give you room to say, well, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, um, flamboyantly girly or um so one is not immediately going in thinking oh I should (laughs) I should sit down and chill out you know Um, (laughs) so it's a dark word and I do love the word wisdom um um, I wish I would say centrally wisdom or uh, something with the more like a round uh, still with the s word but more round and less straight to sort of um, contrast with the word wisdom. Um, okay. But, you know, it is what it is. I understand there's a history behind it, so to change it. But uh, my immediate reaction to that two words are, <laughs> I just sort of like gloss over the senator and just look at the word wisdom. Uh, I just like stare really hard at it. <laughs> just to... Just so that I can take the medicine down, the medicine of the word sinister down, so I can swallow it. Um, it's a, a hard word for me to swallow. Um, and when I when I write acceptance letters for to these women, it's like I um, mention the Asian anthology and sometimes mention the sinister wisdom. Um, but it's it's. <laughs> Um, no, it's it's interesting to hear because other editors that we've that I've interviewed have haven't really like touched upon that. So it's like interesting to hear that like point of view on the word. Yeah, it's um I don't really like the word sinister very much. Um, it reminds me of a, a spinster, um, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh okay, a lot of these women are gonna be um loving uh, having love lives in which they're very non-existent love lives in which they never find the right partner to fall in love with because they're not out enough or they don't their family don't accept them and so therefore they become sinister prince sinister 
on Princeters. <laughs> um, so that's the process that goes into my head when I say uh, when I see those two words combined. Okay. Um, I do like the S at the beginning. Uh, also, like if you like break it to like S I N to sin, and then Mister <laughs> with them um, to kind of hyphenate the sin, then I think maybe it can be playful, and I can sort of see the non-existent Princeton's uh, Princeton's uh, from it, but um, but yeah, it's a hard word for me. Okay, noted. Thank you for sharing that. I do think what you said with the hyphen after sin would be kind of cute. Like, it would be mm-hmm. kind of, like, playful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So, yeah, it was a pleasure speaking yeah. to you. Likewise. And that concludes our interview with V. Key Now. Quick reminder that Sinister Wisdom 114, A Generous Spirit, selected work by Beth Brandt, is out and available to purchase right now. Also, don't forget about the 2020 calendar that is still available, as well as Notes for Revolution, a blank journal filled with inspiring quotes fitting for any woman. Keep an eye out for future episodes, and as always, thank you so much for supporting Sinister Wisdom.